Good morning and hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, Auburn's premier home for student-run radio since 1971. That's over 50 years now. I'm your host, Jack Hart, alongside my color man, Davis Carroll, alongside the irrevocable Chris Tobias and the one and only WEGL station manager, Grayson Moyer. We'd like to welcome in our listeners and viewers from around the Auburn Opelika Megaplex and around the world, however you may be tuning in today, whether that be on your terrestrial radio antenna, through the information superhighway at WEGLFM.com or tuning in after the fact, listening to our podcast or watching us on Eagle Eye TV. We are happy to have you here in the booth with us for Auburn's only student-run drive-time morning show. And now we are broadcasting live from the Bradley Basin WEGL studios in the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University where it is a lovely 74 degrees and sunny this fine Tuesday morning. We hope you had a fine long weekend but we are back for this tuesday show it's compact discourse we most wish you a most sincere good morning as we get on with the show and welcome in our guests for today into the studio davis chris grayson how are we doing today we'll start with davis i'm pretty hungry but i still feel good well you know some of the best decisions in the world have been made on an empty stomach but you're not supposed to go shopping on an empty stomach that, so. that's not a great decision okay fair Give me one decision that's made on empty stomach. Um, D-Day? Cuban Missile Crisis. There you go. You JFK, notori- notoriously hungry. I just know that. Okay. Chris, whatever. take it away. I'm feeling outstanding. I'm doing great. I feel amazing. Ready to take on the day. Tackle the day. It's a new day. Attack the day? Attack the day. Get after it. The order to breathe fire has been given. Are you not going to elaborate on that at all? I don't need to. If you know, you know. Yeah. All right, Chris. All right. I slept for three hours. I'm doing great on this fine Tuesday morning. This is my own doing. My own hubris brought me to this location. We're all human. It happens to the best of us. Those two-hour, three-hour nights, they happen. I'm happy you've chosen to spend your three-hour deprived sleep day, at least the morning portion of it, with me here on Compact Discourse. So at this point, I would like to remind our audience that If at any point in the next two hours you feel so inclined to ask a question, drop a hot take, uh, answer our trivia question, which is still pending from yesterday, or in the highly unlikely event that we get something wrong you want to correct us, you can call in at 334-844-WEGL. That's 334-844-9345. Or you can send us a tweet at CDISCAU. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U. And our dedicated team of call screeners will handle your inquiry and figure out how the phone works in here. All right. We'll blow the cobwebs off of it. So we're going to hop right into the show today, and, of course, we are going to get to what everybody, how everybody spent their Labor Day weekend. Um, what, what was it like having a day off of school after so many days off of school in the summer? Um, it's the first holiday of the year, so uh, what, what do we make out of it? It felt awesome. Just have that extra day was really really invigorating it really makes you wish every weekend was long oh yeah because like you get your two relaxed days and then you get your do stuff day yeah normally i'm a day off at the beginning of the week complainer because that's just the kind of person i am like oh it's gonna throw off my schedule and regardless of the fact that it did in this case i i did enjoy it i i slept in for the first time in about two months 
And while that did bring me to the place I'm at right now, you know, it, it felt great yesterday. The ends justify the means. Sure. Would it be best to permanently get Friday off or permanently get Monday off? Would they effectively result in the same thing? Well, it would change uh, the culture in America. Garfield would hate Tuesdays, for <laughs> one. <laughs> so, okay. it has some pretty big What would TGI Fridays Do you think be? you'd still like lasagna? Yeah, maybe it wouldn't be TGI, TGI Thursdays. Fridays. TGI Thursdays. I, I'm mm. a big advocate for half-day Fridays. I think half-day Fridays is the absolute move because it hits the like sort of midpoint of these where you'd still really appreciate it, but you still feel like you've like gotten work done and been productive. It also makes you feel really sneaky. Yeah. Ooh, I'm getting away with something. That's what I did at my old job and they didn't call me out for weeks. So if we went, if we did half day Fridays or I propose full day Mondays, would y'all be okay with Wednesday, Friday classes also being an hour 15? So just normal, normal Mondays? Honestly, I mean, Monday, you know what I mean? like Monday, Monday off. Okay. Monday Davis, off. Davis, I, I think you're on to it. I think if, if we were consistent with yeah. hour 15, it'd be better. Like, the only reason I don't like Tuesday, Thursday classes is because that extra, ones are shorter yeah. by contrast. I don't know. Sometimes I, I can get used to it. I, but I will say the hour 15, Tuesday, Thursdays makes those Monday, Wednesday, Friday feel like a breeze. Well, so, yeah, but I mean, if they were all awesome. the same class, yeah. like high school, my classes were an hour yeah, my more. They weren't just 50. It's always hard when you have uh, not every not the same class every day to try to squeeze a schedule of that's symmetrical into a five day week. Right. Because I remember in high school we had A and B days. Yeah. And then on Friday it would sometimes be A and sometimes be B. It was alternate. But that meant if you had a class on Wednesday, you might not go there again until Tuesday, because you could have an A Thursday and a Friday of an A back. So you on just Monday. miss a class entirely. I mean. It, it would shake out that way sometimes, and then they changed it sometimes to where it would be skinny Mondays where you just go to all eight of your classes for half of the time what? On, on, uh, on Mondays or we Fridays. Didn't, we didn't know. do A and B days. Yeah, high, school, a high school's a mirage. We had, like, A through – we had we had, like, five classes, not counting our first period, which was always locked, and they rotated, and you mm. went to – I had that, I had that in junior high. high. Yeah, That's Better a, system. That is crazy. It, it, I mean, like, once you kind of got used to it, it wasn't bad. Like, I just – I had seven periods in the day, and I went to the same seven classes every day. Same. And that made it so easy for me to not forget where to go and when all my classes were. That's when all the folks would gather together at lunch. That's what made lunch special. Yeah, but right. once you knew, like, if it was an A day and then you had third period lunch, you'd be like, okay, I know where my friend's going to be. Third you'd period lunch, quick. you're eating at, like, 10, 15. Uh, no, like, like, like lunch. No, no, I mean, like, no. lunch wave. Like, one, lunch oh, wave yeah. three, you we go at different times. Eat, oh, okay. Eat your pizza and we milk, all, milk at 1030. Like we all have American kid. We have better than pizza and milk. We all, all have a different understanding of what periods and lunch periods mean for our high schools. This is actually some discourse I've seen on, I, I'm sorry, I said that, um, on TikTok recently. about. If, you, if you'd like to make it a little smaller, I think it would fit the theme of the show. All right. Um, it was between British people and Americans complaining about each other's school st- school structures and being like, you must be dumb because our school, like our academic systems are set up differently in the way that like when we enter college and what we're prepared for in high school versus college. And first of all, everyone shut up. That was a good internet voice. But it's just like, well, you know, that's how they all sound in my head. Um, but it's like, it, it's the same thing here. Like we just have a little bit different systems but we can't comprehend why you would do it the way that we're not used to because you know you're just stuck in it for 12 years humans like like, humans like patterns yeah well humans are just used to certain things yeah in america our our lunch food that we serve high schoolers is of higher quality than luxurious english meals how about that 
Okay. <laughs> they're still eating. What is it? Bread sandwich. They're still eating like the Luftwaffe's <laughs> overhead. <laughs> Chris, you were rapidly approaching the annoying internet voice. You got to be careful over there. It's you're, you're getting in on the discourse. Mm. <laughs> Here's what I have to say. Oh, oh right. that's an A level. So the theme of the day is, of course, attack the day using the Brian Harson mentality. We're gonna go one and zero today. I think I feel like we've already gone one and zero today because we made two and zero. We then. made it in here. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. get another dub for today. Um, we uh we worked out this morning, our arms hurt, but we're still here. Poor we're making day. it happen. Uh, Chris, I know you wanted to share something, something <laughs> you, something that fascinates you. So I, I hope it will fascinate all of us, and that is uh, what, what the Romans did to stay in shape. We were having this conversation at old Tiger Iron this morning uh, about how it can be hard to work out sometimes, and then it popped into my head a video and article I had read, watched slash read a long time ago about how the Romans trained back in the olden days. Yeah, and I think we were what, talking about— What spurred this conversation was— we're, sometimes the music at Tiger Iron's a little suspect. It's it's hard to get your pump going when you're listening to like Boston. And yeah, when you hear "We Are the Champion" by Queen, it doesn't really make you so want to listen. Davis posited, "What was it like working out in the 1400s, yeah. <laughs> having, having to like lift to Gregorian chants awesome. and whatnot?" And uh, and Chris has our answer. Okay, so uh, first off, the Romans um, when they would recruit. They would recruit out of the country a lot. They, that's not to say they wouldn't recruit out of cities, but the country is where they mainly looked because in the opinions of the recruiters, uh, those in the country were all already accustomed to harsh life, which made them uh, a better fit to be a soldier. And so I'll talk about kind of their basic training regimen, which is about four months long. And before they even touched a weapon, what they had to do is they had to march 20 Roman miles in five hours, which is about 18 and a half miles um, in, I guess, modern distance. After they did that, they would do that every single day. And after they did that, they would have to upgrade to 24 Roman miles in a day, which is about 20 modern miles, I guess. Um, so once they were able to do that, and all the, the weak people were weeded out, they would then move on to their weapons training, where they would... Um, wear their full gear because it was important for them to train as they fight and then they would also use a wooden sword that weighed twice as heavy as the traditional Roman sword. Oh, it's like shooting with mm -hmm. the big basketball. So they would <laughs> they would use that heavy sword for a while and before they would move on to um, training against one another, they would have to hit a basically like a wooden dummy and they would train on that for a while before they would move on to the um, one another. Obviously, they wouldn't kill one another, but they had to train against moving people because you're not going to be fighting someone that's stagnant. And then they would move on to their infantry tactics. And I thought that that was interesting just because we think about the Romans as like the best military to walk the earth for their time, and basically how they would train is they would just walk a whole lot and fight a whole lot, which, when you think about it, I mean, what were you expecting? It makes sense. That's but what an army does back in the day, is, is march and fight. Pretty interesting. That's what Chris is going to make us do next. We're going we're gonna to walk 20 We're going to walk 20 miles see, on the treadmill. and then three individuals in plate mail on Donahue. <laughs> <laughs> that's us. Just know that's us. Full Roman garb. That'd be kind of cool. And sandals. 
and sandals. I think Davis is going to start getting into uh, live-action role-play. What? Roman. Why, why'd you call me out? You said it would be kind of cool. I think it'd also be kind of cool. Okay, so me and Chris would get into live-action role-play. I'm not saying I wouldn't be there. Romans. I, think I feel like those, those things that, that covered your sideburn on a Roman yeah. helmet get really annoying. What? They're, like, constantly dangling. They're cool. Well, you tie it. They tied it so it wouldn't be dangling. I've only seen it dangling. Grow up. Can you play Rise, Son of Rome? I think I've only seen it in Night of the Museum, to be fair. (laughs) As you would rise up in the ranks, your your helmet would get a lot cooler looking. They'd have the brooms on there. I don't know all the ranks and stuff. I'm not one of those guys. You know the ones that are too into Rome? Yeah. That's a red flag. I don't know the difference between like being a centurion and a legionnaire and whatnot. I think being too into Rome is better than being too into World War II, like way too into it. Um, That's an interesting debate to have. Is it better to be a weird World War II kid or a weird Rome Roman Empire kid? Well, I mean, like, because if you read, like, the Percy Jackson books as a kid. I don't know, man. If a dude starts sprouting out random facts about an emperor no one's ever heard of, that's kind of like a, what do you do in your free time? Okay, that's they, fair. They can both be descendants of the same guy. You can have the problem. The Rome guy is like a level above the World War II guy because he's, if they can both be into it for the wrong reasons, which I'm mm-hmm. not going to go into, but if the Rome guy's into it for the wrong reasons, he's a lot worse that's true. than the that's World fair. War II guy. That's fair. I feel like there's a bit more of a learnedness to learning about Rome too because it's, it's less interesting. Sure. Mm, well, yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot more leeway I with feel, being the Rome guy. You also have to seek that. Like, there's not like a Rome. I mean, obviously, there's books about Rome in the bookstore, but like, you go to Barnes and Noble, there's a whole section on World War II. You got to seek out the Roman knowledge. It's not going to find you. Well, when you get into that debate, it's kind of like I can see how Rome would be far more interesting just because it's more niche. And so you actually you feel like you're searching it out and learning about it. Mm-hmm. While World War II is readily available to everyone, but then that's when you know like the the facts of the facts of World War II, like the nitty gritty. That means that you really dug hard because you oh, can scratch yeah. at the surface all day. But it's also interesting because World War II is like traditional good versus evil, so that might interest people there. While Rome is just like how'd they do that, you know? History's so mysteries. It's, it's a different it's a different invitation. Why that dude set Rome on fire? That's an interesting <laughs> thing to learn about. Why'd they spread so thin? Why, why'd he fiddle on the roof? More of history's mysteries that we may never know the answer to. All right, we're going to head to a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to continue discussing productivity and continue to attack the day here on Compact Discourse. Do not go anywhere. We will be right back. Well, good morning, and welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, WEGLFM.com, or you might just be watching on our YouTube live stream. If you're doing that, we welcome you in to the visual aspect of the show. Uh, we want to remind you that WEGL is available to follow on Twitter and Instagram. That's at WEGL underscore AU on both Twitter and Instagram. Check us out on AU Involve as well. Just search for WEGL if you're interested in joining or have any inquiries for your SAO or any other related 
thing there. Also, yeah, check out the Instagram for all the events we have coming up with WEGL. I know we have another exciting Auburn stages coming up this week on Thursday. We've also got Dylan coming in to talk about that Auburn stages, hopefully on tomorrow's show, where we'll also have JP and Will Root to discuss all things music, as we are wont to do on a Weagle Wednesday. I um, also want to remind everybody that we will not be having a show on Thursday this week. So for all of our regular listeners, we thank you for your understanding with that one. And we hope you're enjoying today's show, as I am, your, of course, your host, Jack Hart, alongside Davis Carroll, Chris Tobias, and Grayson Moyer. In the first segment, we talked about productivity, the five-day work week, and the Roman grind set. As uh, we look to see, see what we can glean from the ancient civilizations about how to live our lives to the best of their abilities today. I think it's always cool to see how the legendary civilizations and warriors came to be. Because you think, you think the Roman training regimen is crazy. Just wait till you start reading about how the Spartans used to train. That might be a conversation. They'd leave you on a hill to day. die. They they kick out. you out at six years old, and if you didn't come back alive, you would just die. That's, what, that's like how it Boy goes. Scouts. What's also crazy is when you were born, they would take you to like the elder, and if they were like, "This baby looks weak," they would <laughs> they would allegedly <laughs> throw you off a cliff. It's not been proven, but it's been documented. So, hey, modern medicine has an acronym for that. It's kind of crazy. FLK. Funny looking kid. I mean, they don't kill you, but. <laughs> The sp- you know, <laughs> they'll note they'll note that you look Noted. weird. Che- they'll tick the box. Well, we we can get into Spartans on another day. Inquiry. Spartans are crazy. Spartans are crazy with your shield or on it. Mm. Once you played Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you learn a little bit. I never played Assassin's. It's actually Creed Odyssey. really good. It's actually really genuinely really good. It's all in Greece. Assassin's Creed is hit or miss for me. I can think it'd be pretty boring. Assassin's like Creed Odyssey is the best one behind Black. Black Flag is tied with it. Black Flag's still kind of repetitive in its walking gameplay. Gamer chat. Now, Davis, you have picked up a game fairly recently. Do you want to tell us about that? Um, a Spider-Man 2 for the Xbox? <laughs> the arguably best Spider-Man. I'd argue that well, What Spider-Man was the release year while we're 2004, discussing this? 2004. Okay. Could this be a, a preview to a future topic on... Behind the lens, mm-hmm. through the lens. That's the not lens. a video game. Oh, Spider-Man, but yeah, it is a movie tie-in game, so that is a good segue, Chris. It could be potentially this week and/or next week recording, and I believe you Ooh. might be joining us for it, perhaps. But the game is really good. It is a little. The controls are wonky. It's from 2004. The graphics are pretty good, all things considered. The map is also pretty big, also all things considered. No, you were saying the Xbox version is better than the PS2 version. I never played the PS2 version. I've heard the Xbox version's kind of cleaner. Okay. Interesting. But I never grew up with the PS2. I knew PS2's the most the highest selling console of all time. I I played it a whole lot as a kid, but for whatever reason I can't remember what console I had it on. Did you I think have I had it on GameCube? Oh, I think I had it on GameCube. The rare GameCube Spider-Man yeah. 2 player. It was fun. I remember when you fight Mysterio like probably 60% through the game. Uh, I always really struggled because you have to web swing to the Statue of Liberty, but if you would miss like one of the helicopters or platforms or whatever, you would fall into the water and have to start over. I'd get really mad. Spider-Man 2 was unique because it was the first Spider-Man game where when you swung, it actually stuck to objects. Mm. So it's kind of difficult to swing if you don't like finesse it right. 
I, I think it brings up an interesting topic about rose-tinted glasses or nostalgia. Sure. Because I think we all have memories of Spider-Man 2 when you're swinging through the city. It was awesome. It was awesome, and you're just freaking flying, not struggling at all. But then when we come back, like, 15 years later... It was hard. I'm hitting every building, and I could barely swing You started straight. getting the hang of it, though. A little bit. You know, it's my... My gamer reflexes started to come back. I I was a gamer back in the day. Spider Man like the dabble. Spider Man PS4 is a lot more like it helps you a lot more. Modern technology. Spider Man Two is a lot more fulfilling when you get a good swing going. I'll say that. We were also talking a lot about the sort of the age of the movie tie-in game yesterday and how they're not necessarily really as common anymore. Like, can you speak on that? Was that like part of the I industry mean, for the long time, or was it there this like? Golden I'm, age in the 2000s. In the, I'm thinking that it's it. That's pretty much a dead industry it, now, isn't it? It they yeah. uh, they make the occasional one that are like pretty cheap. In the 90s, it was really big when like 16 bit all that was going on. Like SNES, it was so many a lot of yeah. You would a have lot of time cop. In a the lot game. of products had games. Yeah, yeah. Like there was like Seven Up and Cheetos. The McDonald's game. Catch mm-hmm. the Noid. I guess it was also just faster to develop, to develop them at that point yeah. because of the limitations of the but time. I mean, but, I mean, there was yeah. absolutely a big market. I mean, game development is so time-consuming and expensive now that a lot of studios, I don't think, will waste their time on a yeah. high-end game. But I can, I can remember that a lot of my experience growing up with the GameCube was just going to Blockbuster on a Sunday and renting a game for the week. And, I, and more often than not, it was just a movie tie-in game because I had seen the movie. I, I think... Go ahead, David. I think that's the biggest thing because now with the age of the internet, you can look up if a game's good. Movie tie-in games are usually not that good. There's, there's Obviously, there's the exception. <laughs> Spider-Man 2 is the biggest one I could think of. I, but I, you, just, you just go pick up a game and he's like, oh, I love this movie. I'm going to pick up this game and play it. But now, you know, you can look it up and it sucks. You're not going to get it. I have a theory, and I think it is the perfect uh, synchronization of ideas and quality of games. Like Davis was saying, in the 90s, brands had games. Like Chex Mix had a game. Heck yeah. Uh, Domino's had a game. And the one we could run with the dude. Or Pepsi had a game where you'd run with the yeah, dude. Yeah, Pepsi Man. about Pepsi Man. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. My, there was my a, legal debut was all about Pepsi Man. There was a lack of original ideas, I guess, in the 90s. And then the 2000s came along. There wasn't really... A more original ideas started coming, but game development was starting to be taken seriously. So you still had people that were willing to dabble into the brand. And what resulted was a lot of movie tie-ins or TV show tie-ins. Like... Um, you would get things that ended up being hidden gems. And so, like, one of my childhood memories, I'm very fond of the King Kong tie-in game, which is a weird uh, combination of third-person action playing as Kong and then first-person shooter playing as Adrian Brody's character, Jack something. Um, The Wolverine Origins game. And then even stuff like the Godfather game. Like, they were really scraping the the bottom of the barrel. It's like a GTA ripoff, but it ended up being... Uh, a pretty decent quality game that you would never have expected to come out. And then when the 2010s came around, the movie tie-in kind of died and you started getting more original ideas in gaming as it became a mega industry. Yeah, I'll also, I mean, it's it's impossible to ignore the effect, the effect that indie games had on the industry where like people would, would when they want to spend a little less and just have something to kill time, they don't want a 60-hour, you know, Red Dead Redemption 
They just want something to, to, to use to play on a weekend. They'd rather yeah. jump on an indie game than a movie tie-in game. Yeah. Some ones I have fond memories of were the the barnyard tie-in game. Yep. Which was kind of like a baby's first Red Dead. It was just you you walked around the barn, <laughs> like did quests, like well, it was open world. Um, did the the world would slowly progress. Um, and that was fun. And then, uh, the over the hedge tie-in game, which was kind of a it was a four-person, obviously. You could only, you could play it single player, but it was the four main characters of the of the movie, like the skunk and whatever. Um, and you'd go and it was kind of like a 3D platformer um, uh, with uh, some like shooting mechanics. So I remember those being good. Um, I would I would not put a bet the farm on them being being stellar titles if I had to go back and play them uh, this afternoon. But you know, I mean, fond memories. I've heard the Shrek ones yeah. surprisingly real. I never played that one, but I was, had, that was um, amazing. The Shrek racing game was very good. I was, I was about to give a shout-out to Shrek Fully Loaded. Shrek Smash and Crash Racing. Check it out. Shrek Fully Loaded was like this weird like pseudo-open-world <laughs> levels, and you'd have a bunch of tasks to do. Like I remember the first one, you had to get uh, Hansel and Gretel to the chocolate house or whatever. <laughs> and, I mean... I've watched a few videos recently just to get the nostalgia going, and it's definitely not as good as I thought it was when I was a kid, but I would play Shrek Fully Loaded so much. It was just these weird open-world levels, and you would progress through it to these different set pieces. It was just crazy. Shout-out to Shrek. Shrek Fully Loaded. There are a few movie movie tie-in games now. Uh, there's the Suicide Squad game coming out, but that's not... Most most movie tie-in games in, at, in the olden times, I guess, like... 10, 15, 20 years ago, they would follow the plot of the movie, but the Suicide Squad game has this independent plot. Uh, there's the Mad Max game that has its own plot, but that was rec- that was around the time that the Mad Max Fury Road came out. There is the Avengers game that came out. I, I think it's that's like it doesn't happen as often, but if it does, it kind of goes independent from the movie. It just kind of has the name brand recognition. I think the equivalent you see a lot more is like branded tie-ins for like mobile games. Like I think that's the progression. We used to see Video games in general, the way we see mobile games now, faster and cheaper to put out, smaller scope, smaller sort of overall playtime. Mm-hmm. And I think that's much more often, especially when you consider how expensive movies are now, that cut came out of their marketing budget, which was paying for the tie-in game. So we are seeing fewer of the original ideas, fewer of the hidden gems, because they're sort of throwaway games at this point. Excuse me, Shrek Extra Large, mm. not Shrek Fully Loaded. And I don't mean to fully rag on like stuff that you can play on your phone, but generally it's there's not that much effort put into it for movie stuff like that. Interesting. I wonder if there was a Herbie Fully Loaded game. There definitely That's was. That's probably yeah, where I got that. I also, a ton of these were racing games. Like I the think those were Racing games are easy. Yeah, the Cars just... tie-in game. To the movie Pixar movie Cars, I heard that was good. It's very good. It's a racing game and like an open world, like kind of like a like a Baby's First Red Dead, like a like a bar, like Barnyard was. <laughs> Everything is Baby's you First. You go Bank, I mean, Game Boy Advance, any, fully any loaded. simple open open world game. But I mean, I'm here for it. So does anyone remember the Mortal Kombat game that had the the like Mario Kart mini game that you could unlock what? in the crypt? No, it was. I'll, I'll do some research over the break because I know Jack wants to get to a break. But there was a Mortal Kombat game with a Mario Kart mini game. I'm gonna Google it. All right, so we are going to head to a quick break, and when we come back, Chris is going to research the Mar- Mortal Kombat Mario Kart game. Uh, we're also gonna do some weather, talk about what's coming up next week in Weagle, and uh, we'll see where the conversation goes. You are listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. 
welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, WEGLFM.com, and WEGL's YouTube page where we are broadcasting live in living color with the lights on now um, in an attempt to remedy some technical difficulties. So we are back in the discussion. I'm, of course, your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll, Chris Tobias, and Station Manager Grayson Moyer, we were having a fruitful conversation about all things this Tuesday morning. We hope everyone enjoyed their long weekend. It is the bottom of the hour, so it is, of course, your time for your Auburn-Alabama weather report, where currently it is 75 degrees and sunny. The high today is 85. Low today is 70. We are looking at a 9% chance of rain this morning, partly cloudy going to get up to 83 this afternoon with a 33% chance of rain with isolated thunderstorms. This evening it's going to go down to 74 degrees and your overnight temp is a cool 72 with a 15% chance of rain. We're also keeping our eyes on Hurricane Larry which is still a category three out in the Atlantic Ocean. It is still making its way across the ocean although it is making a northerly turn so with any luck, it will avoid the mainland of North America entirely. Currently, it's sitting a few hundred miles off the northeast coast of Puerto Rico. So it is making a turn north, and it looks like it's getting downgraded to a Category 2 as things progress. So luckily, Hurricane Larry will not is not looking to make landfall anytime soon. All right, that was your weather update, as it was the bottom of the hour. But let's jump right back into our discussion about nostalgia, about rose-tinted glasses, and about, you know, what makes us happy. If we're talking about nostalgia, I think a common thing is is kids' movies a lot. Um, somebody was talking about this. I, I can't remember what movie it was, but it was adult fans of a, of a children's series being like, oh, man, this new movie that's going to come out is terrible. And, like, the kids won't care, or they won't notice that it looks bad. Like, they, this is just their equivalent of what you had. Like what? What is y'all's what? What is y'all's equivalent of that? What is your series for that? Where they're still releasing new media and you see the new ones, it's like, oh, that's terrible. But the new kids are not going to notice. Um, I think it's it's. I think there's a balance to it. Um, so the argument, it goes one way or the other. Is like you said, oh, the kids are going to enjoy it, so just deal with it. But then on the other hand, it's like, well, just because it's a kids movie doesn't mean it can't be. Uh, like re- it, it can't not receive sure. criticism. Like it can still receive criticism. Um, I think some examples you see with that is kind of like uh, Boss Baby series <laughs> or some of the more recent Pixar movies, which I personally haven't seen them, so I'm not gonna put an opinion out on them. But I've heard some things where you know pe- people our age or older are maybe not as impressed by it anymore mm. but at the same time I've heard like, they've become like very formulaic and predictable but I mean the kids don't care they're yeah. just here for the songs and the colors I think uh I think it's just cuz when we were growing up we were watching movies like Toy Story, Finding Nemo, uh you know all the Pixar, Disney movies, even non movies uh, non Disney or Pixar like Coraline Shrek. and whatnot. Shrek is a is literally an American classic. You can still go back today and watch them and get the same emotions. Like I know watching the end of Toy Story three to this day. I mean, I'm all choked up watching them get handed off from Andy to the little girl whose name I can't remember, but it's very sad. Um, it's just it's not the same, 
nowadays because if I go and I watch, for instance, Luca or something, I'm not going in as a kid. I'm going in as a 23-year-old man. So I, the story is not going to have the same impact on me as maybe a 10-year-old or 11-year-old who's going to be able to look back on that movie in 15, 20 years and remember how they felt watching it for the first time. It's also worth pointing out that, like, I think our, our inherent bias is to, like, seek out the sort of very obvious cash grab, like, corporate boring stuff and not the more interesting newer kids' movies. Like, you called out a lot of really great kids' movies. And I think stuff like that is still being produced. Um, where I'm seeing this sort of opinion more is stuff like like SpongeBob. Like, I, I hear it a lot of, man, mm-hmm. new SpongeBob is so terrible, the older seasons. But, like, when we were six, we weren't thinking about the intricate comedy or references to the band Ween of or, early SpongeBob. That's or, the, or French Impressionist painters. That's the thing, though, is stuff like SpongeBob and then... If you want to get into other kids shows, I like think it's like Phineas and Ferb. Scooby-Doo Shouter, is, is yeah, has a yeah. lot of discourse about how Scooby-Doo, because there's been so many reboots of it. Sure. Scooby-Doo. The thing is, it goes back to what Jack was saying, how it became so formulaic. Like, when we were growing up, kids shows, they would they would tackle more mature topics, I feel like, um, in a really silly way. Uh, there, I, One thing that people go back to a lot is the Static Shock episode about a school shooter, which is crazy. You would never see that nowadays at all. It's way too of a controversial of a topic. But back then, like, that was a kid's show, but they still talked about that, you know? Yeah. So. I, I still, e- even Static Shock is an example. I, I would think that even in its time, Static Shock was an outlier. Yeah. For For what it did, for what it was willing to cover. Like, I loved that show as a kid. But, like, e- even then, it was set apart. But even the sillier, goofy shows, like your Spongebobs and whatnot, they would throw in the occasional joke that kids would not find funny, but if mom and dad were watching, they, they would sure. laugh and be like, what is that? But nowadays, it's just like, how loud and energetic can we get? But then again, 23-year-old man on the outside looking in, I'm not sitting watching yeah. Spongebob every morning. Obvi- yeah, obvi- I don't really, I don't, I don't feel that I consume enough children's media to make an educated opinion on... I mean, it may just be I, I watch it at a surface level just based off things I see on Twitter or, or po- things that get posted to YouTube. And it, they're obviously p- posting a very surface level understanding because they're not avid watchers either. So uh, there, there's a I think there could be even just framing this article um, argument back 15 years looking at SpongeBob. You could see some of the stuff that occurs on the show and think that's dumb just because you're not an avid watcher and you're not understanding the intricacies of the humor. The inner mechanisms of my mind are an enigma. The milk (laughs) falls over. Do do you think this has been affected at all by, like, the rise of the iPad kid? And now that TV is competing for attention with, like, the lowest IQ, cheapest, fastest content that could get put out? I think Which is those colorful balls on YouTube rolling down the hill. I think that's a fair argument. Great show. If you look back at shows in the 90s and 2000s and whatnot, they each had a very distinct art style, which which is I think reflective of how the culture changed in kids media, which is also crazy technology thing to be talking about. Yes. You had to draw that stuff. You had to draw it, uh, but it was very unique. Like Chowder, the characters as they awesome. moved, the background would stay stagnant, but it, it it was just crazy. The pattern would stay the same, but they'd be moving. You just got to watch it. Um the old, the way SpongeBob was drawn back in the day, he was a lot more defined. You know, he he was less of just a square, more of like a kind of a rectangle, I guess. But then 
as time has progressed, these shows have started picking up, I guess, like the Disney flat bubbly kind of art style, like even looking at shows that are still around from when we were kids, they're still reflective of the very generic formulaic kind of art style. Well, it's about speed. It's it's faster and cheaper to make episodes that way. I mean, not 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 to necessarily like say the content of those shows is bad, but they're probably also working with reduced budgets and wanting to push out more episodes than yeah. they necessarily used to have to. Especially when you weren't competing with other kinds of media like that. And like maybe honestly like this this entire thing has probably been rehashed by everyone who's ever turned 22 and seen children's media <laughs> currently. Like this has probably been happening for the last 40, 50 years where it's like, oh, everything's terrible now. They don't even show howdy doody to kids anymore. <laughs> but like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that, I mean, y'all have already said this, but shows back then I feel were more made for like made for the love of making them instead of money. And, like, they were made to educate kids. I mean, like, there's obviously exceptions now. And mm-hmm. then Gravity Falls recently is a great exception to that. But, like, back then, like, there was Hey Arnold episodes. Like, they were teaching you, like, serious stuff about, like, adoption. Yeah, like racism. And yeah. Like, like Hey Ar- I mean, that's obviously, like, there's more examples of just Hey Arnold. But those are the ones I, I didn't watch that much. But I remember some of those episodes were, like, because he's adopted by his grandparents and stuff. Like, I don't – how often is that happening now? I mean, like, I still have siblings. Sure. I have – I'm the oldest, and I still have three younger siblings that watch that type of stuff. And, like, some of the shows are still entertaining. Like, Big City Greens and Craig, Craig of the Creek, they're not bad. But, they're like, Craig of the Creek actually does touch on some serious subjects sometimes. But, like, other than that, it's not often. I think, I think yeah, another thing is that we're also having just to deal with the inescapable fact that in, in recollection of the past, we're ignoring most things. We're only remembering what's memorable, and the memorable stuff is usually the good stuff. So... I think when this when this conversation's had 20 years in the future about current kids' media, people will be pulling out the gems, the diamonds in the rough, the stuff that was good, and forgetting largely what wasn't. And I, I think, I mean, there, there's probably plenty of not good kids' shows, that, like, like Chop Saki Chooks. Remember that? Huh? <laughs> what? That show about those kung fu fighting chickens? No. <laughs> Exactly. You were, you were a Jake, Chum Chum, Jake the Dragon. The most IQ show that Jake I've the ever Dragon watched was good. that I did like. So yeah, I think I think those are pretty good examples. Of, My life as a teenage robot. What was that uh, one where it was like? Uh, My gym party's a monkey. Gonna, I'm I'm really reaching here, but you're it, you're I'm, itching a part of my brain. I'm gonna pull it. Pull it out. Pull it okay. out your head. So it was like a team of like nine or ten unique monkey robots, kung fu guys. No, oh. but. <laughs> every at the beginning of every episode, they would respond to a crisis, and they would Tony ride out. Door? No, they would Damn. they would ride out on like turtles, and then I remember what? the lead the lead guy was like your generic kind of like martial arts ninja head. guy. He had like kind of like a brick head almost. Uh, Are but you thinking he, about Ninjago? It's not Ninjago. No, it's two D animation. It was on Cartoon Network. It'd play in the mornings, and it's really gonna bother me. It was something like. Super team, something like that. But I remember they would ride out on turtles. Um, I want to say that one of them had like a hat that, like, they she'd walk on her hat. Am I, if I'm remembering that correctly, I gotta look this up. I gotta All look right. up old cartoon. So shows. we're gonna look it up over the break, and when we come back, we're gonna discuss it. Um, if you'd like, to- hero one hundred eight. What's it look like? 
Yes, that was it. Yeah. All right, yeah. zero one zero eight. All right, we're still gonna take that break though. So if you want to tweet at us a kids show you remember or don't like, uh, tweet at us at cdiscau, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about it on the air. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after these messages. And welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, WEGLFM.com. Welcome into the show. Thank you so much for listening on this fine Tuesday morning. We hope you enjoyed your long weekend and your Labor Day as well. Hope you got up to something fun and hope you enjoyed the game on Saturday as Auburn took down Akron 60-10 to in the first night game in Jordan-Hare Stadium since... Uh, Tennessee, shrug, not that important. All right, um, this weekend we got Alabama State coming up. That's an 11 a.m. kick. It's going to be on SEC Network. Visiting Alabama State Hornets are 1-0, same as the Tigers. And uh, that brings us right to our trivia question for the week, which is not Hornet trivia. It is Alabama State trivia in that it's trivia about the state of Alabama. Um, Alabama is home to one of the most rare astrophysiological phenomenons to ever occur in the entire world. It is the only uh, first ever documented and recordable and verifiable instance of something happening, and that is something that is known as the Oak Grove meteorite. Now, the Oak Grove meteorite fell in, of course, Oak Grove, Alabama, which if you're driving from Birmingham to Auburn or vice versa. It's around Silicaga. So you'll see a sign, welcome to Oak Grove, home of the Oak Grove meteorite. The Oak Grove meteorite is the first falling object from space to ever do something very specific. And the trivia question is, what is that specific thing? It's the first time in recordable history that it's ever happened and maybe the only time ever. Now there's some claims that it's happened before, but this is the only verifiable time it's happened. So the trivia question is as simple as that. What did that Oak Grove meteorite do to become so famous? Um, also a preview of what we got coming up later on this week and next week. Uh, we've got Will Root, DJP, and Dylan coming on tomorrow to discuss music and Auburn Stages. Auburn Stages is, of course, um, on Thursday at 5 p.m. on the Cater Lawn. Aren't going to want to miss that one. We hope you came to the one last week as well. And UPC is, of course, partnering with Tiger Knights once again to host a spike ball tournament tomorrow night from 7 to 11 p.m. If you would like to participate in that, registration does close at midnight tonight. So be sure to get your name registered. Uh, I think that's aub.ie backslash spikeball, aub.ie backslash spikeball. If you want to register for that spike ball tournament, it's on the campus green tomorrow evening from 7 to 11 that's upc and tiger nights and be sure to register by today if you want to participate in that also next week on the 15th which i believe is a wednesday we've got the auburn hockey club coming on the show to discuss their first game of the season which is a road game in pelham against alabama so auburn hockey is kicking off their season auburn hockey is great friends of us here at wegl we've been partnering with them with a long time so i've been talking with brandon about getting some guys on the show just like old times to discuss what it is going to be like having their first hockey season in two years um, taking on alabama who is always a tough opponent and that is the uh weekend i think the game is going to be on friday um the 17th the day before the Penn State game. So get excited for that one, get excited for the game, and get excited for the hockey team's appearance on Compact Discourse. All right, 
enough housekeeping. Let's get on with the show. I'm, of course, your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll, Chris Tobias, and Grayson Moyer. Welcome into the booth with us this morning. If you're watching on the video live stream, we're discussing children's TV shows, their ramifications, what they mean for us and society, and uh, what we can learn from them. Take it away, Chris. As, as long as we're talking about shows of our generation, um, one interesting theory that was actually brought to me uh, by Jack, if he wants to take it away here in a minute, was that some of these shows, some of the more memorable ones, like your Adventure Times, your Gravity Falls, and specifically your regular shows, they are good because of the limitations of being classified as a children's show, not because they have free range to do the crazy stuff that we uh, associate with a more adult show. Especially adult animation, Especially I might Especially adult animation, yeah. Like your Family Guys and American Dad, South Park, whatever. Jack, do you want to talk about talk on that a little bit? Right. I, I think there, there's a definitely, there's a humor in restraint. And I think trying to make a joke without being able to make a joke leads to more creativity, more exploration of options, which often leads to better ideas. I mean, you have to go to plan A, B, C, D, E to get to your joke rather than just going for the joke. And I think um, without getting into specifics, because I really can't think of any off the dome, I'd have to kind of think about this a little more. But that's what makes regular show great, because there's some pretty off-color things in regular show for something that's airing on, a, on, the, on the one click of your remote away from Disney Channel. Um, I mean, there's, there's weird jokes. There's jokes that I didn't get uh, watching it for the first time. And I mean, like, I mean, I was in eighth grade, you know, so it's it's super interesting to see that that was a show that was conceived as adult animation, which ended up coming out as adult animation. Um, J.G. Quintel, has, was it called Close Enough? I think it was. Are you talking about the newer Amazon Prime it's original? What, the new J.G. Quintel show, which yeah. is effectively adult regular show. Well, have, yeah. you, have you all seen the... Uh, their, so regular show also aired on Adult Swim. Have y'all ever seen the edits between the Adult Swim versus the Cartoon Network versions? I they, have. I have not. They, they would occasionally change phrasing for things, or it was actually the original phrasing that they wanted, and they would change it to make it more kid-friendly. And there are compilations of the different, I guess, dubs would be the right word for it, that aired on Adult Swim versus like the kids' edition of Cartoon Network, I guess. That's interesting, because it actually is exactly the same as a uh, a clip I saw recently comparing the... American version of Total Drama Island to the Canadian version of Total Drama Island because the Canadian version was more of a, I guess, teen to young adult show while here in America it was branded as a kid's show. So there's actually jokes that are completely cut out um, or dialogue that's changed to use more, uh, we'll say, colorful language. Oh, uh, Canadian. More, more direct references and innuendos we'll say in the canadian version than in the american version where um in the american clips they hint at what they do in the canadian version which i think is interesting that regular show has that too because i never actually knew that so pretty interesting i'm looking it up now but i as far as i know canada is closer to like the uk in terms of how they handle tv censorship laws like te technically OTA, over-the-air TV, has the same rules as radio in the U.S. No cursing, no super off-color content. Um, and cable doesn't really have that, but it generally follows it to an extent. And I think it might be the actual regulations are looser. And therefore, the networks that sort of grew up there 
are a little bit more uh, relaxed with how they handle like what content is what's shown to what people. But I'm going to look into that right now. That would make sense because some of those clips, uh, I mean, it was just it, there was no sugarcoating it. Like they were actually doing mm-hmm. something or saying something like swear words and whatnot. When in America, they would say like holy pepperoni or something like that. You know. <laughs> I mean, how did you feel about Adventure Time kind of going from a classic Americanized uh, young adult animation to becoming something more serialized, serialized and plot driven? That Davis and I are actually talking about that over the break a little bit. I think Adventure Time. Uh, personally, not a big Adventure Time guy. Like, I'm not wearing the fin hat or whatever, but uh, I can appreciate it for what it was because I think Adventure Time came out when the audience was like 10, 11, and it started off as that type of show where it was just a silly dude in a silly world with a gumball princess and, you know, a talking elephant or whatever. Stretchy dog. And then it became this crazy... it, It kind of grew up with the audience. Like, it didn't try to keep tailoring to 10 and 11 year olds and eventually tailored to 15 year olds and 18 year olds and eventually like 20 year olds to where they're tackling much more adult topics like your depression and love and you know dealing with dementia stuff like that like it it got kind of crazy so i you know hats off to adventure show for growing up with their audience and doing it in an appropriate way i remember when the lich king showed up in that one episode that scared me. That was like when it kind of took the turn to the more serious. That when Finn lost his arm? No, no, was that, that was later? way earlier. That was like earlier? first season. At the end of the first season, that was like the first big villain. And like he showed up. It was so scary. I remember that too. The Lich King. I remember the trailers they would show. Um, yeah. Each episode, and you'd be hyped for the next episode to come out. The one that, for whatever reason, sticks with me forever is Billy. Billy the Hero. No tongue. I don't remember that one. You want to talk about? I remember uh, the one where they try to get Finn over his fear of the ocean, and he has to like float in the water, but it's like a monster to him or something. That one's kind of creepy. Another good arc I remember is when they introduced the Fire Princess, uh, and Finn kind of was trying to get over uh, Bubblegum Princess. I think it was her name. You'll see a lot of Adventure Princess Time on Bubblegum. TikTok. Sorry. It's very fondly remembered. You'll see a lot of clips on TikTok of Adventure Time. Not surprising. Moments. Not surprising yeah. at all. It's kind of like the alt version of the Roman kid. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we are going to head to our 9 o'clock break. So you are listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. We're going to be back in about five minutes with the second half of the show, so don't go anywhere. Um, Be sure to check out our podcast. If you missed any part of the first hour, we had a good discussion about uh, productivity, you know, the five-day work week, what that means to be human, and uh, somehow that transformed into kids cartoons so don't go anywhere we'll be back with the second half of the show in about five minutes welcome back to compact discourse right here on wegl 91.1 fm weglfm.com our live stream on YouTube, or however you may be joining us this fine Tuesday morning. We hope you had a wonderful long weekend and enjoyed your Labor Day off from work, school, or what have you. But we are glad you are joining us today this morning, where it is a it is a uh, lovely 74 outside, and uh, we're enjoying the sunshine while we still can. The uh, summer days are not here for long, so we're enjoying them while we can. I'm, of course, your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll and Chris Tobias. 
Grayson Moyer had to go do some work, as you can see in the background. He's in his office now. But we had a replacement. Off the bench comes Jacob Hillman, co-sports director here at WEGL and fan favorite here on Compact Discourse. We're going to jump right back into our discussion. But, of course, Hillman, how are you doing today? And, and how's the weather if you're an well, extra point fan? A, a little humid. A little humid. So I don't like that. If it rains, it's going to be terrible. Yeah, I mean, I took my bike outside, and it became instantly wet. Exactly. Right. So not great on that end. But it was a fun weekend of college football and just a good long weekend. It was so. a great weekend. I was I was just relishing in it last night that I just missed being among friends among football, among a good time. Among us. Among us. Among us. <laughs> it was a great weekend. It, it, it's a feeling that, that you can't capture in a bottle, so I, I'm, I'm glad I, it sat with me for a little while last night. Yeah, it was a good time. Great time. We had a fun time last night? Yeah. yeah. Playing a little video games? Playing some, watching Chris play, lose in NCAA. Hey, I don't know. I beat number 18 Virginia Tech, and then I just took a nosedive. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie. That Army team is really bad. Listen. Really bad. Hillman Hillman can attest to it. Boston College on Heisman difficulty is a, a new difficult. beast. <laughs> they were tough. All right. So of course, welcome in Hillman. We are discussing um, sort of just sort of a broad based discussion on on children's media. Is it immune to criticism? What role do rose tinted glasses play? And and nostalgia. So um, and I, of course, I already brought up the over the hedge tie in game. So mm-hmm. don't bother. Because I know we, we've talked about that before in the past. But um, do, you, do you have any pieces of media that you cherish dearly from your childhood that so, um, you wouldn't so kindly look upon today? So, yeah, when we're look, when thinking back to my childhood, I was a big Nickelodeon fan. So I was watching the SpongeBob's, the Jimmy Neutrons, the Fairly Odd Parents. And I don't know. I don't know exactly how much I would look back on that and like that. I just. Those shows now, well, and it's probably because, especially SpongeBob, is just so bad now. I don't know if y'all watched the uh, second SpongeBob movie. I'm sure y'all did, maybe. No. But oh, the one, did. Not. the one with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I, I did. did. Not. I, I checked. regret it. I I, ha- I half watched it. I fondly remember the first one. Of course, I mean, I saw Rose that on the first one. I saw that on the silver screen. Yeah, but I love. I have the yellow DVD. I had the soundtrack. Me I was too. all over that. That was a good movie. Great film. Great film. Continue. I, I just think that the, the 2000s, which is when our childhood was, late 2000s, early 2010s, that's kind of, you know, we think, oh, man, it was great then, but I don't know if it was because we look back on it. It's like, oh, we love watching those shows, but now we see the shows. And it's probably the same thing, but we think it's terrible. I don't know. I Maybe it's just because, like I said, I was a Nickelodeon fan. I didn't watch a ton of – I watched Cartoon Network a little bit. I watched a little bit of Disney Channel, but – Nickelodeon was my go-to. I think it's interesting how we all were kind of a different blank kid. I think Davis is the resident Disney kid because you like Phineas and Ferb a whole lot. I like. I mean, I, I've watched That's more Cartoon watched. Network than I watched Disney Channel, but I really did like Phineas and Ferb. I, I know personally, I was a big uh, Cartoon Network and then also Power Rangers fan. Oh, like, you could not. Okay. For like did the you... first ten years of my life, you could not keep me away from the Power Rangers. Were you on? I have. You were on JetX then, right? Uh yeah I guess it or you were overseas, I, I lived, you were overseas yeah so I I lived in Italy so it would play on the American channels they would play Power Rangers on TV every morning and so I would watch all of those and I would love it 
uh, Red Power Ranger was my guy every single time. You remember the one where they, all the Power Rangers came together in the movie? All the different Red Power Rangers came together? I have that on DVD. That awesome. I can probably find it back home in Tampa if I dig through all the boxes. It was all the Red Power Rangers from like the first couple of shows, first couple of renditions of Power Rangers. They all came together to fight bad guys. It was pretty that sweet. One. That was awesome. And then, Hillman, you were saying you're a Nickelodeon kid. Yeah. So. I, well, I, Power Rangers, now that you mention it, I was a Red Power Ranger for uh, Halloween one time. Yeah. There are pictures of me with Power Rangers, I believe, at Disney World. I would imagine that's, yeah, what I, it would be at that would time. They? If you dig through so old fair. Halloween pictures, you probably find me repping the Red Power Ranger like six years in a row. I was yeah. a pirate for four years in a row. Interesting. I, w- I was also made the pirate costume. Never, never, never bought a costume. Not, not to mention another TV show, which I still currently kind of watch is Star Wars: The Clone Wars. That came out about that time, so that's kind of how I dove into Star yeah. Wars. And, and now... it used to be bad. Oh, season one was horrible. Is that another example of a show that matured with the audience? I think it just got yeah. better. I don't think the themes didn't really <laughs> mature. It's just they they kind of figured out that we shouldn't stop I would keep say making this bad show. I would say they did. I mean, think about how dark some I mean, of the seasons like that Yoda arc at the yeah, end. Yeah, I, I think they just wild. I think they would have liked the all of the seasons to be that that mature and dark because it was pitched. I mean, that was on because I mean, Cartoon Network kids, you remember Har Har Thursdays and then Hardcore Fridays because mm. like the funny shows were on Thursday, but like on Friday it was Batman, it was Ben Ten, ben it was 10. it was it was Star Wars. I was a Ben Wars. Ten kid. That's it was, it was action night on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I kind of think it matured with the audience. I mean, I think I feel. I kind of feel like us. You know, we kind of like followed along with Ahsoka's arc. It's almost like not to turn this into a Star Wars conversation, but it's like <laughs> she was completely immature. At the beginning, and now everyone loves her, and it's like, you know, we were immature kids, and now we've grown up like she did. So yeah, I mean, Ahsoka, I Ahsoka has the most striking physical change in the show. I mean, she gets like a complete redesign, and I, don't know, I just, I just agree with that take that it kind of matured with the audience. And then even today, you're still getting like Bad Batch, which is kind of a continuation of the, uh, the epilogue of Clone Wars, if you will. Yeah, in a way. So I don't know, I don't know much about that. Because I never watched Clone Wars or Bad Batch, but I know from the outside looking in at like you and and Hillman and other friends that they think fond, they talk fondly on the Clone Wars saga. So especially that last season. Yeah. All I really remember in grade school, some kids always went stars, star the Clone Wars wars because oh, yeah. that was like how the the logo was that star the Clone Wars and then the wars at the bottom. I was and like, it, no, it's Star Wars the Clone Wars. You don't get <laughs> it. It's absolutely triggered. I remember that was like fourth grade, fifth grade, whatever year that was. Yeah. I think we can just all agree that that movie was bad. The movie was bad. Hey, <laughs> I remember that, uh, when did that came out? Like 2008? Eight. Eight? Yeah, because so that's when the, uh, the Lego sets. It was mm-hmm. the day before we had left for vacation, I think, to go from Italy to Charlotte. So my first time back in America. First Panthers game, by the way, that, that trip. But Boom. I wanted to see that movie so bad that my poor dad i dragged him with me to watch the clone wars and me being a 10 year old nine year old kid i loved it because <laughs> funny colors job of the hut baby that was a good time i'm sure my dad was miserable but i i that's one of those childhood memories of dragging my dad to the clone wars that i remember all right well i think that will that, that's a, that's a good bookend on our our discussion of, of children's media so i think it's about time to do our our, our daily fit check here on Compact Discourse, um, for those of us watching on the video live stream, um, Davis, do you want to you want to get it started? All right. What are you wearing? What is that? Uh, this is okay. So prerequisite: this is not a thrifted shirt. 
It's my first one, not a thrifted shirt I've worn. Should I stand up or can go, you see it? Go ahead. It no. I can't, I, I can't use the mic, so just, I'll just, just like. Just show it to me. Okay, I got you. We so, see it. It is a cover to a s- song. It was a single. I can should I show the the s- song. Be my guest. It is uh, merch for an artist I like, Isaiah Rashad. His album came out this summer on my on our birthday. Yeah, July thirtieth. It's a good birthday present. That's why we're mind melded. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let me get it real quick. I don't want to. I don't want it to play. Give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to get copyrighted. Copyright strike. Out. Okay, that's. In the video, he does that. Everybody. Okay. Yeah, we got it. So that's what the shirt's showing. It's him doing that, just kind of stylized. Okay. So this is a new shirt. Yeah. I got the. It arrived in like, when I got back to school, it was here. So. Okay. Respectable. Boom. Chris, what are you what are you rocking today? Okay, so I, I I'll make up for Davis's lack of uh, vintage thrifted clothes by wearing vintage thrifted shirt. Um, just get get a good look at that. It's a cool shirt. The classic Charlotte Hornets logo uh, found at a thrift shop in, where was this? I think Clearwater, Florida, interestingly oh, interesting. enough. I think the shirt is from 96. I don't know. There, it's somewhere on here. But, but that's like the OG Hornets. Yep, OG cool Hornets. Hornets. Uh, fun fact about me, uh, I'm a Charlotte Hornets fan. And no, not just because Lamella Ball was recently drafted. I'm talking about that MKG, Nicholas Batum, Ooh. Al Jefferson, Kemba Walker era. Uh, R.I.P. Kemba Walker. I he's not dead. Was. He's just on the Knicks now. Yeah. I remember <laughs> when they were the Bobcats. I was going to uh, say, the Bobcat year, era yeah. was horrendous. But, I mean, we weren't much better as the Hornets anyway. But, yep, that's, this, that's what I'm wearing today. Charlotte Hornets. Hellman, what do you what do you got for us? Today? I don't need to stand up because there's nothing really. I mean, it's, it's just a simple Nike golf polo. I'm, I you know when I played golf in high school, I think in my mind I was sponsored by Nike, so I just bought Nike golf polos left mm, and right. Interesting. So th- th- that's I, how I was. When I play golf, I like Puma. Yeah, Puma. Puma R- if, Ricky if, Fowler fan. If I was a, if I was outfitted by a golf company, it'd be Puma. I just I like their shirts. I like the Puma. What can I say? Hey, nothing <laughs> wrong with that. All right, today I'm wearing uh, I'm wearing this shirt from J Crew. Um, just I picked something pretty neutral. Um, this this quarter zip is from Sanford and Donahue, awesome Auburn-based brand. Uh, really features the the power stripe very prominently on all their clothing, which I love. So it has the Auburn uh, the Alabama outline with the power stripe on it, on uh, the the left breast there. So I got this on clearance uh, last Friday, because um, I wanted a game day button. And they make you buy something, so I figured you know, two birds. Um, and then uh, this this hat I'm wearing is from the game. It is your uh, your classic your classic frat hat. It is um it is OG. It is uh made by the game. It says Tigers, Auburn University, and there is an Auburn logo on the back. Um, so flip it around. It fits all right backwards. So I might I might keep rocking it backwards for a little while. But um, that's your compact discourse fit check. So we're gonna head to a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna keep discussing. You know what? It's been an hour and fifteen minutes without sports, so I think it might be time for some sports. Oh, my theory about this college season? Question mark. All right, you're listening to Compact Discourse. I'm Jack Hart. I'm joined alongside Davis Carroll, Chris Tobias, and Jacob Hillman. We're gonna head to a quick commercial break. Do not go anywhere. We'll be right back after these messages.
and welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Chris Tobias and WEGL co-sports director, Jacob Hillman. Davis had to hit the road to go publicly speak or something or other, but we are having a good time discussing, and thank you to Harrison Tarr for the shout-out on Twitter. I just came in on my phone. We really appreciate it. Be sure to tweet at us at CDiscAU if you want to show us some love like Harrison just did, or more realistically, if you want to uh, you know, complain about something we've said so far, go ahead and send that our way. All right. You know what? It's been an hour and 15 minutes without sports, and I just can't stand for that. So we're going to get into some sports, and I got my two favorite people to discuss sports with in the booth with me. That is, of course, Mr. Chris Tobias, Mr. Jacob Hillman. How are you guys doing today? Ready to get into some sports? Absolutely. All right. All right. We're going to talk college football first because it's Tuesday, and uh, Monday was off, so it doesn't count. So we're going to get right into it. You know what? I did this yesterday, but we're doing it again because it was a lot of fun. Let's do some college football scores. All right, games on Thursday. Ohio State took down Minnesota 45-31. Coastal Carolina takes down in-state rival 52-14. Your two ranked Pac-12 teams take care of their FCS opponents. Utah with 40-17 over Weber State. Arizona State 41-14 over Southern Utah. On Friday, it was Virginia Tech entering Sandman and taking down Sam Howell and UNC by seven points. On Saturday, Alabama destroys out Miami 44-13. Tulane hangs with Oklahoma in a game that was moved to Norman by the Hurricane. Georgia scores one touchdown, and it wasn't an offensive one, as they win a defensive struggle 10-3 over Clemson in Charlotte. Texas A&M takes care of business against Kent State 41-10. Iowa State, the presumptive heir in the Big 12, Barely squeaks by Northern Iowa, 16-10. Cincinnati takes care of in-state opponent. Miami of Ohio, 49-14. Oregon barely escapes the upset, 31-24 over Fresno State. Penn State has a game-sealing interception to take care of Wisconsin in Camp Randall. Florida in the swamp all over FAU, wins by 21. USC takes care of business against San Jose State. UCLA Big upset over LSU in the Rose Bowl, 38-27. Iowa destroys Indiana in Kinnick in a Big Ten game, 34-6. And Texas defeats Louisiana by 20 points in a game I know Hillman had his eyes on. Of course, your Sunday game was Notre Dame winning in a single overtime with some clutch kicking despite a comeback from McKenzie Milton and Florida State. And last night, it was the Lane Kiffin-less Ole Miss Rebels taking care of Louisville in the Chick-fil-A game in Atlanta. Of course, your upset of the week was the Montana Grizz defeating Washington for the first time in over 100 years as the Pac-12 wastes no time embarrassing themselves and limiting themselves from that playoff contention as the Grizz come into Seattle and defeat the Huskies 13-7. And that was your college football scoreboard. We're going to get right into talking about it right now as we all, we're pretty excited about this season. Would you guys agree? Oh, Oh, yeah. 100%. Football's back. I mean, I feel like we should just jump into what we talked about in the break. Yeah. I, I, if if I if I may start it off, go for it. Um, I think I think it's funny because Hillman and I were talking about it, um, and we both kind of had this light bulb go off in our heads that, hold on, this week one was extremely exciting. It was very promising because it's showing shades of the 2007 and 2014 college football season, which are arguably the two greatest seasons of college football in history. Of course, the upset with Montana State over Washington, the UCLA game. 
My personal favorite game of the week was the FSU Notre Dame game that I was watching while I was at dinner with my family and my girlfriend. Fantastic game. Um, Friday night, too. Virginia Tech over North Carolina. Virginia Tech over North Carolina. We're seeing ranked teams, teams that have been historically well the last few years, playing mediocre or kind of lackluster, struggling with lesser teams, and defensively, I guess, holding out against other ranked teams, uh, like your Georgia and Clemson game, which I don't know if that is a bad thing for their offenses, if it was just how it came to be, ended up being a defensive struggle. But I think it shows a promising sign that the top 25 is going to get absolutely stirred up this season, and I'm excited to see the inevitable upsets that are going to happen this year. Well, I mean, yeah, you had, of course, Alabama being the only person in the top, or the only team in the top five that didn't look pretty vulnerable. Right. I mean, you have Oklahoma, who looked extremely m- meager against a visiting Tulane team, who Oklahoma had looked like they had them put away, but allowed them to come back and bring it within five. You had Georgia and Clemson, five and three, both showing extreme quarterback struggles. Um, both only mustering. I mean, I would say a field a field goal. Offensive struggles. Mm-hmm. I would say the whole offense is for bad. You have Cincinnati breaking into the top ten. Um, they took care of their opponent, but that's still a wild card when you have a G5 team in the top five, uh, or the top 10, rather. And then you have Iowa State, who, with the departure of Oklahoma and Texas, is the heir apparent to the Big 12, um, the football power. But they only beat their FCS in-state opponent by six points. I mean. So the shakeups are coming. And, of course, Notre Dame, who uh, went into Tallahassee, had that game pretty much won. But, of course, Mackenzie Milton transfer quarterback from UCF, puts the team on his back and comes back and sends that one to OT. And if it weren't for a little kicker trouble, uh, Irish might have been downed in tally. So, I mean, if you're a Florida State fan, there's got to be a lot of enthusiasm for Mackenzie Milton starting the next game. Definitely. I think they need to stay very positive. I think that's the season can end up being finally the turnaround from, I think it was senior year of high school is when they collapsed DeAndre Francois, question mark. Mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A kickoff against Alabama getting crushed. That was um, freshman year of college. Was that freshman year of college? That was, I, the, that was the one versus two Atlanta game, yeah. I vividly remember. That was the same week Auburn played Clemson. I vividly the, remember being in the auditorium yeah. or being by the auditorium of my high school. Was I'm it sure though? that wasn't 2016? I'm pretty sure. Well, 2016, 2016 would have been Auburn-Clemson, but I'm talking about games, the, the Clemson game in Clemson. That was 2017. That was yeah, I think that was when, that's when Bama one. played Florida State it was in Atlanta. Year. Correct. Yeah. Because it was the first game in the new stadium. Mm-hmm. We'll have to do and some it was 1v2. Research. And it was really hyped up, and then DeAndre Francois broke his leg, and yeah. the rest was history. Ever since then, FSU's been pretty bad, but I think this year that could change, uh, especially with Mackenzie Milton. I was at the game where he broke his or where he shattered his knee. Very unfortunate. Good to see him back on the field. Um, I don't know if we want to already look ahead to week two, but I'm already looking at some of these matchups, and I think we can have another just as electric, potentially top 25 shaken up week. How are we feeling about some of these matchups? No, I I, I agree with that. When is Kansas going to stop playing Coastal Carolina? Is this like the fourth year in a row they've played them? Well, it's ridiculous. I'm not, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say that won't be one of the top 25 teams that goes down this upcoming week just because of who Kansas is and what they look like now. But we're also going to wait till 1 o'clock today when the new AP 20, uh, top 25 gets released because we'll see what teams jump into the top 25 and see if they're going to go down. Which but, ones get launched into the sun. Right. And, I mean, I, I look at Iowa and Iowa State. Iowa State didn't look very impressive last week, whereas Iowa did. 
that could be a Iowa. That's going to be game a lot day. Of it is game day. Yeah. Crushed a lot of people's dreams last week. I know in, a lot of people were really high on Indiana. I was high on Indiana. To, to get to Indianapolis for the the championship game uh, in December, but that did not. It did not look good for the Hoosiers in Kinnick. Which of course, Kinnick's a tough place to play, but. 34 points and a big – if Iowa's scoring 34 on you, you've got bigger problems. Listen, I'm, I'm calling it. I'm thinking the eye to keep – or the game to keep an eye on this next week is going to be uh, Texas and Arkansas. Okay. I don't know. I got this feeling. It's one of those gut feelings when you look at a matchup that – I'm not saying that Texas is going to lose, but it might be a lot co- closer than people will give, uh, will give thought to. I, I picked Louisiana to beat Texas straight up last week, and – that didn't go over well, so I'm sure they'll lose to Arkansas. It'll just be a week off on when Texas loses an embarrassing game. So, One game that I'm not seeing a lot of people talk about, and it might be because they're dismissing their opponent, but Ohio State and Oregon, two ranked teams uh, currently. I don't know how they're going to move in the top 25 after last week, but yeah. that could potentially be a pretty good matchup if Oregon you know, plays up to their opponent, historically not. Don't really do that, but that's a noon kick. Come on, yeah. Fox. I mean, that's do, do better. It's the big noon stuff. It's terrible. But Oregon, I just, I how can how can you be high on them now? It's just the fact they struggle with Fresno. Who no, not not very good group of five team. They, they used to be, but I don't think they are right now. And we'll see. I just think that for Oregon to even compete in this game, they're gonna have to force. Uh, the freshman quarterback, C.J. Stroud, they're going to have to force him into some uncomfortable situations. What about UAB Georgia? <laughs> I mean, you know, I thought UAB would be a little bit worse this year, but they look better than they have been in recent years. Now, I don't think it's going to matter because Georgia's defense is going to be insane, but we'll see what UAB's made of. Georgia's defense definitely went god mode last week. I mean, locking up Clemson. Was it seven I, sacks? Some Something crazy like that. I mean, the only touchdown of the game was a pick six. Yeah. So either Clemson needs to to snap it into high gear or we could potentially see our first mediocre Clemson season in what feels like well, forever. It, it's funny. Whenever you look at the players to watch on this game, it's all UAB players because they're the only ones that put up any kind of good statistics last week in that game because yeah. <laughs> oh. no Georgia player did good. Yeah, for real. So that one is uh, an A&M at Colorado. I don't think Colorado's very good, but that's a weird yeah. road game to have to play. You're right, and it's at Mile High. It's not at Colorado. Okay. Who, who knows if that atmosphere, if the, the environment is going to have an effect on those A&M players because mm-hmm. people will dismiss that a lot, but that elevation definitely has an effect. Well, also, I mean, A&M had a slow start last week against Kent State. They were only up 10-3 to three a half. Then they figured things out in the mm-hmm. second half. So I think – and here's the thing. I think a lot of these teams that had a bad start, so Georgia, Texas a and they had a slow start, uh, teams like that, Iowa State, they could potentially, that could be a wake-up call for them, and they just come out and play insane a week, too, because they know they got to step up. Indiana was looking pretty horrible last week. Do you think that the uh, that no. Idaho has <laughs> no, any chance? No. <laughs> also, Indiana probably won't even be ranked. No love for the Vandals here on Compact Discourse. Shit. All right, we're going to head to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about college football. We're going to head to NFL. We're just ticking down the days. We might uh, get excited about our fantasy teams. Eh, it's not the extra point. All right, we're going to talk about that kickoff game with the Buccaneers here coming up on Thursday. And in the final segment, we might just talk a little baseball if we get around to it. I know there was a fun game out in Fenway yesterday. So I know Chris would love to talk about that one, being a Tampa Bay Rays fan. 
We'll be right back to Compact Discourse after these messages. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hard, joined alongside Chris Tobias and Jacob Hillman. It is 9.33 a.m. on September 7th, 2021. We hope you enjoyed your long weekend and that Labor Day off from work, school, or what have you. We are happy you're joining us today on this beautiful Tuesday morning. It is partly cloudy here in Auburn, Alabama. It's around 75 degrees. It's probably going to get up to around 85 with some scattered tea storms coming up this afternoon. So bring your raincoat in your backpack. I always do because, you know, it's Alabama. It's August. It's September. We're dealing with it. You got to make do. <laughs> not, not quite August. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get there. Um, so, yeah, we're continuing our discussion about sports, but a few quick announcements I just want to bring to your attention to all of our listeners. Of course, WEGL is on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU. Go ahead and give us a follow. We got some great content for you, especially on Instagram where we are working towards daily content coming out Monday through Friday. Plenty of stuff to check out on the Instagram, including DJ spotlights, you know, song lyrics, and most importantly, announcements about events, including Auburn Stages, which is coming up on Thursday, 5 p.m. on the Cater Lawn. If you were with us last week, we want you to come back again. Same time, same place. Be sure to check that one out. The full schedule is on the Instagram. Uh, Dylan works super hard to get these together, so we want a ton of people to come out and check it out. There's some pretty cool lights, if nothing else, so check that out. Um, head over to the Instagram to get all the information about that one. We're also going to welcome DJP, Will Root, and potentially Dylan onto the show tomorrow for a Weagle Wednesday to discuss music and whatever else is on JP's mind, including um, <laughs> there's no telling. Like, you never know. I know he's doing Jimi Hendrix, but I'm trying to see a colorful bird. He might be talking about. He might start talk, start talking about parrots again. I don't know. Uh, so we're excited for that one tomorrow. Um, big announcement is that there is no show on Thursday. So thank you to all of our daily listeners. Uh, but if you're looking for the show on Thursday, there's not going to be one. So we'll be back on Monday morning at 8 a.m. to talk to you. So tomorrow will be our week's finale. Um, also, there is a spike ball tournament being put on by UPC and Tiger Knight. If you're interested in that, go to aub.ie slash spikeball. It is tomorrow night on the green space, 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. If you want to sign up, be sure to do so today because registration closes at midnight. That's, of course, aub.ie slash spikeball. Go to at AuburnUPC on Instagram if you want more information about that one. And one more big announcement is that Auburn Hockey is going to kick off, puck drop their season. Drop the puck. <laughs> drop the puck on their season. Next weekend, same weekend that Auburn plays Penn State, they are playing a Friday night game, I believe, in Pelham at the uh, Pelham Ice Center, Ice House, uh, Frozen the Pelham Dome Civic Complex. That, that one uh, next to the Oak Mountain Amphitheater. Um, they're playing against the Frozen Tide of Alabama in state rivalry, the uh, the Frozen Iron Bowl, if you will. Um, and they are going to join us on Compact Discourse to get us hyped up for that one. So. Uh, the 15th, which I believe is Wednesday, we're going to be welcoming in a couple guys from the Auburn University hockey team, our good friends here at WEGL. We've been partnering with them for a long time, and they are excited to get back on the ice after two years off. So get excited for that one. We are welcoming in the Auburn hockey team on the 15th next week. So lots of exciting stuff coming up on Compact Discourse. Stay tuned on 
at CDiscAU if you want all the information on that one, or go ahead and tweet at us if you want your opinion on the show, or if you want to answer our trivia question, which is, of course, Alabama State trivia, as we are playing Alabama State in football this Saturday, Jordan-Hare Stadium, 11 a.m. That's on SEC Network if you want to watch it. If you're not going, our trivia question for this week is about Alabama State, um, and that's the state of Alabama, not Alabama State University. And the trivia question is about the Oak Grove meteorite, which fell in Oak Grove, Alabama, believe it or not, in the 1940s. The Oak Grove meteorite is notorious for being the only ever object from space to do a very specific thing. And the trivia question is, well, what's that specific thing? It's the first and only time in recorded history it is verifiable that this meteorite did a specific thing. And it, uh, what, what, what made it so infamous? Why is it when you see Welcome to Oak Grove when you drive through Silicaga, home, why does it say Home of the Oak Grove Meteorite? What makes it so important? That's your trivia question. Don't look it up. Just give I, me a guess. I think I know the answer to this. Well, don't spoil it then, Hillman. Whoa. All right, but and I then it, I know the if no one answers by tomorrow afternoon, we might just reveal the answer live on the show. So go ahead and drop your answers on our Twitter handle. But with all those announcements out of the way, let's get right back into this college football season and why you guys are so excited about it. Hopefully a lot of upsets, and hopefully Auburn is a good team this year. I got a good feeling upsets. about it. I think, is Georgia coming to town? Uh-oh. About a month's time? Ding Ooh. dong. Wouldn't that, be something? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be the day? It hey, would be a good day. I have freshman year. I remember that upset. What was it? 47 oh, to 17? 40 to 17. 40 yeah, game 17. over. Turn the lights out in Athens, Carry Georgia. On Johnson. Woo. Woo. What a game. Rushing the field two weeks later. Alabama repeated. Anyway, don't want to get hung up on the past. We're looking at the future. Speaking of the future, Jack, what's happening this Thursday? Need more. <laughs> Need more. Same sport. Cowboys. Buccaneers, yeah, Tampa Tom, Tampa Gronk, Tampa Mike Evans. Hope you picked your fantasy team well. Hope you got Chris Godwin like I did because they're gonna go off against the boys yeah, in Ray J. Yeah, I have Mike Evans. So I think I'll we have that. some pretty exciting matchups for Week One right off the bat. I honestly, the Dallas and Tampa Bay game does not really excite me. I'm looking more to Sunday. Um, Jacksonville and Houston. We get to see Trevor Lawrence. I got a little sound bed for you if you want to go through them. Chris. Oh, would you would you do the would you do the honor? Hundred percent. All right, you got three minutes. Go. Well, all right. Kicking off Thursday, seven twenty p.m. We have Dallas at Tampa Bay. Honestly, not too excited about that one, but it's the start of the season, so we'll probably all be watching. Jacksonville at Houston on Sunday at noon. We get to see Trevor Lawrence. See if he can continue that win streak he had going on. Um, the Clippers at the Washington football team. That might be interesting. Who I knows? I hope they bring some extra players if it's the Clippers. <laughs> did I say Clippers you did. Chargers? <laughs> <laughs> Different Los Angeles uh, team. Starts with a C. Anyway, Seahawks at the Colts might be interesting. Probably not. But one thing, the Robbie Anderson and Sam Darnold revenge game. New York Jets at Carolina. I'm excited for that one. Vikings at Bengals. Can Joe Burrow get back into that Heisman winning season form. I hope so. Uh, Arizona at Tennessee. San Francisco at Detroit. We'll get to see how Jared Goff performs on a new team. Pittsburgh at Buffalo. See if Josh Allen can get back into form and if Ben Roethlisberger still has it. Uh, Eagles at, at uh, the Falcons. Might be interesting. Who knows? Cleveland 
at Kansas City. That's a big rematch from the playoffs. Can the Browns win their first week one game since I think it was 2003, 2004? I think so. Is Andy Reid going to earn that cheeseburger? Who knows? Green Bay at New Orleans. That will be a fun one to watch. We have Aaron Rodgers. That one's over in Jacksonville. Jameis? Question mark? Whoa, that one's moved to Jacksonville for the Hurricane. Uh, Denver Broncos at the Giants. Miami at New England. We'll see if Tua Tagovailoa. That's a Bama v. Bama QB1 matchup. Yeah, we'll, and we'll get to see how... Uh, start how, start both of those defenses. Yeah, we'll see how, how uh, <laughs> New England is able to kick off with the new starting QB. And then we have Bears at the Rams. Uh, I'm not... We'll, well, I guess we'll get to see how... Matt Stafford. Uh, yeah, we'll get to see how the QBs perform in that matchup. That'll be interesting. And then we're closing out Monday Night Football with Baltimore at the Las Vegas Raiders. Interesting Monday night matchup. I'm excited for that game. Might be cool. I like the Ravens this year. You know what I'm going to miss this year? The Monday night football doubleheader. That is, I, I noticed that was missing from the schedule. If I'm not mistaken, it might be later in the season, but I also might be wrong. Okay, cover all your bases. I like I, it. I, I will because... I don't know. I just I love the doubleheader. It's a lot of it's a lot of fun. It's a good welcome back to football. Exactly. I mean, you you stay up till about one a.m. watching a horrible AFC West matchup between the Chargers and Raiders. I yeah, mean, you watch. Usually, you Chris Berman's <laughs> calling it too, which is always electric. But no, we we don't get it this year. This week, this year, it's just Lamar Jackson and running all over the Raiders. Probably the most exciting games this week. Uh, I think are going to be Jacksonville at Houston. I'm actually really excited to see how that goes with Tyrod Taylor and Trevor Lawrence going head-to-head. I think Jacksonville's finally on the come-up. Who knows? They were hot garbage last year, but maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll see a change. I they mean, could they, have been better. They, they started 1-0. If they started Minshew the whole season, they did him dirty. I got beef with the, the Jags <laughs> and how they did him. Um this is not my Panthers bias, but I genuinely think that the Jets and Carolina game will be exciting. Sam Darnold has something to prove, uh, and the Wilson. Jets are trying to start off on a, a fresh start, trying to start off on the right foot. Let's see some ghosts. Um, and then the Cleveland and Kansas City game, I, mean, I think, it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be the game of the week. Yeah. yeah. Game of the year potential, that was such a good, That was such a good playoff game that I, I the, the sequel must be better. Well... The sequel let's hope to it's the... Shrek. Let's hope it's Shrek two and not a <laughs> a bad sequel. What's a bad sequel? I mean, do you want to talk? Ali, open it over to you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was thinking of a trilogy, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, the first thing <laughs> that we're came all to thinking, mind of, we're all thinking of the trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> was was Matrix Reloaded? Okay. But, uh, we'll hope it's Shrek fair. two and not Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, but but then again, you know, sports are fun because. Teams rarely repeat what they did last season. And so we'll see if if Cleveland can hang with uh, Kansas City and if Kansas City can hang because they had a pretty horrendous showing in the Super Bowl, which is very foreign to them. How do you feel about that coming into the season? I mean, I'm interested to see what – I mean – Mahomes is the the prodigal son of the NFL right now. He's the heir apparent to I mean he's he's the neck he's the next goat as all the 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 old people retire and it's it's interesting to see how he's going to cope with that pressure um and deal with being the guy. I mean, it was it was Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl on the cover of Madden. Those are the two guys. I mean, there's obviously a giant age gap between them. So, seeing Pat Mahomes what he's going to do, obviously he's fun to play Uh, fun to watch when he's great but we we, we've seen 
instances in the playoffs, in the Super Bowl, in in throughout the season where we've seen some some cracks. And how long can Andy Reid keep this ship together? Because it's an extremely hard feat in the NFL to keep talented guys together and not get poached and not have too many personalities in the locker room. And Andy Reid's having to absolutely quarterback his team himself and win this chess match in every dimension to keep this Chiefs team together. And I want to I want to see if this is the year that the cracks finally start to appear or if they can ride it all the way to the playoffs again. I feel like this would be the year, and I feel like the Browns might win on Sunday. So yeah. if that happens, there's going to be a lot of question marks and probably a lot of overreaction that is not correct. But that's just, that's just the nature of sports and debate and how the human – how human perceives things. So I, I don't know. I, I look forward to the Chiefs season a lot because of exactly what you said, because they've got Mahomes locked in for the next decade. Yep. Or, I mean, if he starts to play bad, what, what happens with that team? That franchise might go absolutely down, but I don't expect him to play bad because it's Patrick freaking Mahomes. So two notes on that, uh, one on the Browns, one on QBs. Uh, so with the Browns, I think that – if they're going to continue this upward trend that we've seen in the last few years, I mean, a few years ago they went 0 and 16, and now they're, you know, keeping a close fight against what is widely regarded as the best team in the NFL. We could potentially be seeing a Brown Super Bowl appearance this year. I would not be surprised by that. If they continue the upward trend, if Odell Beckham Jr. comes back healthy and Baker Mayfield's getting more weapons, they have a pretty good balanced attack. There with the run game and with a gunslinger at QB like that. I mean, they were pretty close last year. Yeah. They had a backup in in the KC game, one stop there, and then you're you're hosting the Bills in the AFC Championship. Yeah. I mean, I, I would not, except for, you know, Kansas City's already the powerhouse and the Bills are also on upwards trend. Outside of those two teams, I don't know who in the AFC can really hang with the Browns as far as uh, long-term playoff contention. And then on QBs, I think... Kansas City is going to be interesting to watch this week as well because, as you guys have been saying, how Patrick Mahomes is going to play. Um, what's interesting to note is over the last 20 years or so, ignoring New England, it's been hard to win with these historically great QBs. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has won. Uh, Drew Brees got one. Peyton Manning had, what was it, three, four, three Super Bowls with the Colts? Three appearances? Three appearances. I think he had two appearances. Two appearances, two appearances one ring, uh, yeah. two rings with the Broncos. That's what it is. Um, the last one should have an asterisk. It was one. They got dominated by the Seahawks. Oh, but they, one it was ring. the same thing as the Colts. He appeared me. twice and won once. You're right. Seahawks absolutely decimated them. Two appearances, one ring. Thank you for the correction. But, yeah, historically it's been hard to win with just the quarterback. So I think Andy Reid is smarter than that. And um, – he can continue to build that team, keep them together. But if this could potentially uh, have some pretty long-term effects, depending on how they perform on Sunday. All right. Well, we are going to continue talking about NFL on the other side of this break. Do not go anywhere. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. Join us in a few minutes for the final segment of the day.
Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. It is a beautiful Tuesday morning here in the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University here in beautiful Auburn, Alabama. We are broadcasting live from the Bradley Basin Studio. This is Compact Discourse. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Chris Tobias and Jacob Hillman. We had Davis Carroll and Grayson Moyer on earlier in the show. If you want to hear our conversation we had about any myriad of things, including the Roman soldier training regiment. Um, there's a little teaser for you. Um, go ahead and check out our podcast anywhere you get your podcast. My podcast player of choice is Spotify. Just search for Compact Discourse. We're right there. Look for that awesome CD logo, orange and blue. That's what you love to see. All right, so um, that's about it for housekeeping. We're going to jump right back into our NFL discussion. I know we're all very excited. Just two days away from the NFL season kicking off. And I mentioned this on the show yesterday, but I want to get your opinion on it, guys. This is like, I know last season wasn't really shortened by COVID, but it was affected. It felt weird. There was a lot of weirdness to last season. So There was it, no home field advantage. It's going to be, I mean, you know, you get to, you get to, take, you get to sleep in your own bed. But, huh? <laughs> like that home field advantage, oh, like the fans, you know, you yeah, still have yeah, to yeah. travel. But I'm just saying, this season, it's going to be a little weird. There's going to be some annoying welcome back stuff, which I'm not a big fan of. But I, I, I'll take it if it means we're back in, in full force, um, unless you're... Uh, I mean, you kind of have to do Not it. to use the joke, but the Jaguars. Okay, I said it. Um, Jaguars so, still adhering to social distancing. Get it because the stands are empty. All right. <laughs> Why is there a tarp over the upper deck? <laughs> All right. So yeah, I mean, are you guys? Ex- I mean, well, of course we're excited about the season, but I mean, what is, what's something you missed from last season that you're excited to have return? Obviously, there's no eagle flight or marching band or anything crazy like that, but I think there's more of a it's more of a vibe thing with the NFL. Yeah, the NFL doesn't really have the same interaction say. with the audience. That's a good question that college has, but you still get some pretty memorable moments. Uh, Lambo leap. For Green Bay, after every touchdown is iconic. But, you know, you get your moments like a fan falling out of the stands while Luke Keekley takes it back for a pick six. That that couldn't have happened last <laughs> year. Uh, you get some pretty crazy signs. Fun stuff, you know. It, it's still fun to hear the the crowd on, on air screaming. Yeah, I mean, it's great. To, like, on Monday Night Football, the people that, like, dress up in, like, their team-colored Iron Man suit yeah. and come and, like, sit in the cold for four hours. Just look at a Raiders game. There's nothing like that. The dudes that dress up like icicle men for the Packers games, that's what I'm going to miss. There's nothing more. Uh, NBC does the best job of it, maybe just because they have the most strung out broadcast, but they do so many good shots of the just the bizarre fans. that, that That's what I missed a lot last year because that, that's a simple pleasure I have is just paying close attention to who's in the stands. And uh, Well, I, do, I think Monday night will be a good one. Monday night oh, yeah. would be a really good we'll one. See with some, Darth, some see some Darth Vader costumes it's for sure. The, the first Raiders game in the Legion Stadium in Las Vegas in the Death Star. Man, that everyone's going to be all in best dress. That everyone yep. will be best dressed their best, and no doubt about it. I think the most iconic are actually the Raiders fans that dress like they're an extra on Mad Max. <laughs> That's always really fun, uh, or like XFL gear. Or something with the spiked shoulder pads. It's always fun to see the fans. I mean, what I'm trying to think of anything else that from the NFL I mean, that we really miss. The iconic weekly viral video of a Bills fan missing the table okay. they're attempting to jump through, or maybe jumping through two tables that are on fire while over go. a there's tiger pit. There's always some fire. I don't know. 
<laughs> that's that's pretty iconic. It's gotten so I think iconic. Hardware stores in Buffalo do well for themselves. Oh yeah, you just need to to sell fold away tables, wooden tables, tables and fluids. Yeah, that's all you need in Buffalo. I mean, Steelers Bills. That's a great fan matchup, to be honest. I think the Bills run away with that one. I do, but Steelers are up there. Steelers, Steelers run away from anybody. Steelers win in volume. I know Danny from Pittsburgh will be checking out that one. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if Ben Roethlisberger has it anymore. You got a lot of. You can tell that there's some stuff I behind said, the scenes. Man, I said that like week one last year, and then they were the last undefeated team. Not that they did anything. I was gonna but say I don't. I still don't think they were good. They weren't good. They just. It's one of those things where it just worked out that way. Mm-hmm. They had a really easy schedule. And then Washington was the one that took them down on like a Tuesday. Was po- it? It's poetry. Yeah, they had a they had a COVID moved game. Or was it? Mo- it was a Monday afternoon game. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, who knows? I think this might be for the first time in a long time the start of an era where Pittsburgh has to rebuild. Hey, is Dwayne Haskins the answer? To what question? <laughs> <laughs> to the to the Steelers quarterback question. Oh, who's gonna lose okay. us enough games so we get can draft a better QB? I mean, so who's the who's the, wait? Hold on, let's let's play let's play. What's the draft? What's the what's the tank name this year? Who's the best quarterback in the draft? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nix. Blow for bow. Blow for bow. There you go. That that if you want that Sam. um team kicks for Knicks. I don't know. Eh. That, that's pretty good. I think that's pretty good. Okay. There's Sam Howell. I don't know. There's plenty of, there's there's plenty of Rattler. Who? We'll feel it out. Nah, this could be a recurring like, segment. Who? Who is the QB to watch? I We know that there's going to be the I random mean, quarterback from the random school that people are like, this guy's good. But, like, who are the well-known names that we don't know? I just go to a quick PFF article. Suck yeah. for Spencer. Number one is Spencer Rattler. Yeah. Ah. Number two Tired. is Sam Howell. Yeah. Suck for Sam. Number three is Malik Willis. Okay. No, number four is Keaton Slovis from USC. I don't that must be the uh random guy we're gonna throw out there this year. Well, he's that. a USC quarterback, so the, of course the, J, he's the JT Daniels, ready. the uh Carson Strong from Nevada. There you go. There we go. Okay, that's that's more fitting the uh the bill of the random school. The the team that plays after I go to bed. Emory yeah. Emory Jones, wild card. And other names to watch, Matt Corral, JT Daniels, Desmond Ritter, still no Bo Nix, Brock Purdy, Phil. Keep going. Phil Jerkovich. He's down there, I, bl- I believe. He'll be there. From He's down there. He'll be 10 or honorable mentions. Oh, my goodness. He is not on this list. I mean, honest, I'm going to be honest. That, he should be on this list. Should Did he? you see his completion percentage on Saturday, Heisman voters? 20 for 22, right? Did you right? see that? This is the year. Dark horse. <laughs> hey, it's it's coming to Auburn one way or another, whether it's Tank Bigsby or Bo Nix. That trophy's coming home. Ooh. All right, so I uh, know we wanted to, we, we teased it a little bit earlier, but there was a pretty fun baseball game out in Boston yesterday. It was the Tampa Bay Rays and the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox had an immense lead over the Rays. They were up by six, but Tampa comes all the way back to ruin the fun in Fenway. They ended up winning that one in extras. I believe 11-10 to 10 yeah. go the division-leading Tampa Bay Rays. They now have a commanding eight-and-a-half game lead over the New York Yankees, who have a half-game lead over the Sox. So that one's going to be an absolute fight in the AL East to get to the postseason. Of course, in the Central, same story. The White Sox have that one just about locked up with a 10-game lead over the Cleveland baseball team. And Houston out west has... 
uh, retained their crown. But Seattle is back in the mix as they have once again leapfrogged Oakland with a half-game lead in the West. Heading over to the NL, your Atlanta Braves, despite their best efforts, are still leading the division (laughs) with a 72-64 and (laughs) record. The Phils are just one and a half games back, and those poor, poor Mets are 69-69. and Nice. With a four-game deficit in the, the games behind category. And in the Central, once again, Milwaukee is coasting in that one. They have an 11-game lead over the Reds with an 84-55 and 55 record. And all is right in the world because the San Francisco Giants are back on top out west with a one-game lead over Los Doyers. Uh, the San Diego Padres remain a distant third, 14 and a half games back with a 73-64 and 64 record. And that is your MLB pennant chase update. Quickly. Did, did you mention Yankees losing 8-0? Uh, Yankees, Yankees lose. They lost seven of their last nine after winning 13 straight. That's wild. But what I want to talk about is that first game you talked about because this is this is wild to me. Go on. Intentional balks. Let's do it. Ken, the Kenley Jansen special. Yeah. Colin McHugh of the Rays did it yesterday in the bottom of the 10th inning. The Rays were leading 11-9. They ended up winning 11-10. But obviously with the extra innings rule, they have a runner start on second base. Well, this run doesn't really matter. Okay. If he scores, it doesn't matter. You, you're still going to win or you're still going to lose depending on what the tying run does. So Colin McHugh intentionally balked to move him over to third base to avoid him from reading signals and telling the batter what pitch is coming. Fair enough. And it worked out to perfection. Kevin Cash money with the high IQ play there. Unlike back in October when he pulled a certain somebody. You not want to talk about that? What are, we, what are we scared to talk about it? I mean, I just, it's not worth addressing. You're There's right. nothing we could do about it. I just, I can't ever, anytime someone says, man, this is really smart by Kevin, I don't care. I, it, look at what he did in the biggest moment of he, his life. He's the reason we have the Los Asterisk Dodgers now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Chris. All right. I want to thank you guys so much for joining me in today. This was a super fun show. And thank you to all of you guys who are listening out there in radio land i have been jack hart joined alongside chris and jacob would you like to bid a farewell i know i know tuesday's chris day it won't be it won't be until next tuesday until we see you chris yeah um no new episode of cheetah print this wednesday sad due to but the there is oh actually girls volleyball oh man i should actually that game got canceled oh Last minute cheetah print episode. Cheetah prints on, baby. Yeah, Yeah, we might cheetah print. Cheetah prints on. Okay, so tomorrow, uh, Wednesday's eight p.m. I'm gonna have to get a playlist together today and upload it, and then we are gonna have some sick jams with myself and Jack Hart. A shocking development here on Compact Discourse, and that's why you listen. (laughs) So, um, any update on on the volleyball schedule, Jacob? Yes, I actually added the game on Sunday. Forget who it's against, but Sunday, I think it's about the same time as soccer against FSU. Number one FSU. So okay. Big, big Thursday, big Sunday for Auburn volleyball and Auburn soccer. Let's get after it, ladies. Let's keep that streak alive. I was say. Good luck. Not a single set loss. Not a single soccer match loss yet. Knock on wood. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. However you join us today, whether that be from your terrestrial radio antenna, WEGLFM.com, or listening to our podcast, absolutely PSA break free. Wherever you get your podcast, we would like to remind you that all of our previous episodes are available commercial-free wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at CDiscAU. That's at C-D-I-S-C. 
AU. If you want to tweet at us during the show, answer the trivia question, ask us a question, or correct us when we get something wrong, be sure to do so. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. That's the station. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, W-E-G-L underscore A-U. That's W-E-G-L underscore A-U. Our dedicated team of marketing professionals work tirelessly to provide you high-quality content to fans of the station five days a week. And with that, for Jack Hart, Chris Tobias, Jacob Hillman, Davis Carroll, and station manager Grayson Moyer, this has been another exciting episode of Compact Discourse. We wish you a great rest of your Tuesday. Hope you enjoyed that long weekend. We will talk to you tomorrow for the week finale of Compact Discourse at 8 a.m. We got DJP, we got Will Root, we got Dylan Baston coming on. And there is no show on Thursday, so that will be our finale for the week. We'll be back next Monday morning at 8 a.m. after our show tomorrow. So this is Jack Hart signing off, and as always, War Eagle.